I mean, most of what we class as quote unquote Indian food is yeah. curated by Bangladeshi restaurant owners and chefs. Um, and, and the recognition and appreciation for homemade style Bangladeshi food and the desire to seek out, you know, unique flavors is quite a recent phenomenon, which has empowered the Bangladeshi diaspora to spotlight yeah. their cuisine rather than sort of homogenizing and grouping it under the stereotypical Indian or curry. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps this is an aspect um, or, you know, a hangover from the colonial period where the tendency was to really group South Asian cultures together into a homogenous entity. Uh, and, mm. I, and I honestly think this, that does a disservice to the uniqueness of the thousands of languages and cultures and of dishes course. present mm. across the diaspora. Um, and I wanted to ask you, I mean, do you think it's important to make the distinction between Bangladeshi and Indian cuisine so that we can reclaim our identity and, and be recognized for our cuisine and flavor? Yes, absolutely. You know, mm. you're spot on when it's saying, you know, reclaiming our cuisine. And I feel, you know, reclaiming the food kind of um, aspect of it is not just about the food, it's everything that surrounds and connects with the food, so it's actually essentially our identity, our identity. Hi, and a warm welcome to season four of Brown Don't Frown podcast. I hope you're well and safe wherever you are. BDF's first episode went live in October 2019, and since then, BDF has brought three seasons and over 40 incredible guests and their stories straight to your ears. I hope you've been able to learn from them as much as I have. I am your host, Tanya Hardcastle. Brown Don't Frown spotlights the experiences of a diverse range of women and brings new perspectives. I hope you finish each episode feeling more rounded, energised and inspired. Joining me today is Dina Begon. She is a British Bangladeshi cook and writer who is passionate about highlighting the underrepresented recipes and authentic food traditions of Bangladesh. Her recipes have been published across many outlets, including The Telegraph, Huffington Post and The Metro. She has also recently published the Brick Lane cookbook, which highlights the diverse food culture of Brick Lane and shares Bangladeshi recipes, as well as featuring contributions from local restaurants. So first of all, thank you so much, Dina, for joining us today and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Tanya. Amazing. I think the listeners would um, love to hear a bit more about yourself and your and your story. Well, well, thank you for the you know lovely intro. Um, I think you covered some of that. Um, what I do, and um, but yeah, generally, um, as you said, um, I'm a food writer and cook, and um, I've just you know, I guess my mission is just to promote and um, preserve the traditions of you know Bangladeshi food culture and just you know highlight it and make it more kind of recognised. I mean, it's something that's um, always been around, you know, um, Bangladesh is like the pioneers of, you know, um, the curry houses and, you know, our love for spices. Um, so I think it's something that's been very much underrepresented for such a long, long time. So um, this is something that I think is um, very important to kind of do um, what I'm doing at the moment and hopefully, you know, um, and I hope other people are doing it at the same time and just kind of... Um, yeah, I guess that's my main passion. And I love, you know, writing. So, you know, combining my love of uh, food as well as writing, um, which, you know, is great fun. And, you know, this is something that I hope I can continue. Um, and yes, of course, you know, I'm Bangladeshi. Um, I was born in Bangladesh. I grew up in the UK um, since a very young age. And so I've had, um, you know, always maintained my, because of my family, mainly a strong connection to my roots um, and my heritage. And, this is something that I've embraced more um, as I've gone older. And um, so, yeah, I think that's about it, really. Nice. Um, which part of Bangladesh are you from? I'm from Silet in Bangladesh, which is a town in the north, northeast. Nice, cool. Yeah, I've got a lot of um, Sileti friends, um, more so than, um, I suppose, uh, Bangladeshi friends from other parts um, of the country so yeah really interesting I grew up around well my childhood was spent around um, 
East London. So I had quite a close affinity oh, with the Siletti community there. Yeah. So um, yeah, at one point I could speak the dialect, but I can't anymore. I think for Bengalis and Bangladeshis and just in general across much of the South Asian continent, I think food's quite a, an inseparable um, part um, in terms of, you know, comparing it to humanity, community, purpose and, and love. Mm-hmm. I, I think it would be really interesting to yeah get get an insight from you on on why food is so important to you as a Bengali and whether you always saw yourself working within the food in- industry and also mm-hmm. a bit more about what inspired you to write the uh, the Brick Lane cookbook. You know one of the things I mean I do try and distinguish um, in my work you know whether it's writing about it or doing food events is Bangladeshi food as opposed to Bengali food so um, you know even though we are Bengalis living in Bangladesh but the cuisine of Bangladeshi Bengali food is quite distinct from the food of West Bengal which is why I tend to call it um, Bangladeshi um, instead of Bengali because um, even though there are overlaps um, it is quite unique and region to region it's kind of you know uh, very varied and huge range of recipes that you know I haven't come across so um, that's something I think um, has always been important because growing up you know you as we all do, you know, we're familiar with the things that we're exposed to, you know, the food that we eat at home, you know, the food we eat outside growing up in the UK. Um, and there's been, you know, a nice blend of that. But I think when you um, look into, um, I think it's important to kind of um, refer to certain cuisines in, according to, I don't know, where, where they're from. As opposed, I mean, the Bengali diaspora is huge. So you could have, you know, called Tata or West Bengal, Bengali food and, most of the dishes will not be kind of familiar in Bangladesh and vice versa. So, um, and also there's a lot of distinction between um, Muslim Bengali food and Hindu Bengali food, um, as well as overlap. So that's something that, you know, to kind of um, unravel that is a huge task anyway, but I think just to kind of break it down a bit, it's that's something um, that's been a bit of a struggle and challenge, I'd say to kind of get people to, you know, refer to it as Bangladesh food as opposed to Bengali food. So for me, it's important, you know, in terms of food that it's not just about, you know, eating a good meal together, which is always a great connector, you know, a great way to unite people. And I think food, you know, has no language, no barriers. And, you know, you can always connect over delicious food, um, you know, a cup of tea, whatever it is. But um, in terms of our cultural heritage, I think as Bangladeshis, um, I, you know, I strongly identify with being a Bangladesh as well as being a person you know, who's British. So um, I love both parts of my culture. And um, But I think it's important to kind of distinguish that Bangladeshi um, food is quite unique. And, you know, it's um, important to me because I guess it's a way of me, way for me to preserve my heritage, my kind of family history, family stories, we connect with the old generation. Um, it's the stories that are shared with, you know, grandmothers, aunts, uncles, you know, granddads. Um, and, you know, most of the women in my family, I would say, I mean, it's been traditionally women who've been kind of in the kitchen cooking. And even, I mean, now, I guess, it's not, the gender balance hasn't changed that much, I would say. You know? um, so, um, which is, you know, but hopefully that will change in time. And um, I do feel that there's more kind of um, men taking an interest in, in the Bangladeshi food, um, not just, you know, working in restaurants, which a lot of people do work in restaurants and work in the catering industry, but um, just generally at home, you know, cooking. I do see, you know, younger cousins, you know, my brother cooking more. Um, my dad used to cook me growing up. So it's um, something that is such a... Um, Sorry, I'm just, am I kind of rambling off a little bit? No, um, I, I completely... Um, do you understand? Um, um, uh, yeah, sorry. yeah, I completely I'm understand. Thinking, let me just stop, because if you understand what I'm just trying to say. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so um, I guess it's, um, for me, it's important to kind of, um, I say it's probably one of the easiest forms. Food is one of the easiest forms of connecting to your family and family traditions, as well as traditional of your heritage. And it's such a kind of easy and accessible thing to do, whether it's for your own self and with your family, um, an extended family, family friends who are Bangladeshi, as well as people who aren't Bangladeshi. So it's such a nice kind of, you know, conversation starter. And I love, you know, kind of sharing unique, you know, recipes and or just simple everyday basics with friends who are not Bangladeshi, you know, or Bengali. Mm. Um, and just kind of 
you know, it opens up a whole plethora of things. And I think it's a good avenue in terms of learning about the culture mm. and the country and yes. heritage traditions. You know, and I think that's been um, one of the, it, it's for me, it's kind of like a gateway to learning about a country and its people. And I've always found that to myself with um, other cuisines. I mean, I love, um, I don't know if you've noticed in my Twitter, I post a lot about Turkish cuisine, which I love. Yeah, and, yeah, um, I have seen, yeah, know, the baklava. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, um, and I love Turkish culture. And I think food has been a great avenue to learn more about Turkish culture, Turkish cuisine, Turkish, you know, history. And of a lot course. of Turkish history is shared history with, you know, Bangladesh, South Asia, because, you know, obviously because of um, the Ottoman Empire, etc. And Yes. Um, so, um, and even our recipes, a lot of it, you know, them do kind of stem from, you know, Turkish, Persian kind of background. Mm, the yes. Empire, yeah, yeah. So, um, it's, um, so I think it's, um, for me, it's not just about sharing the food of Bangladesh, but also highlighting Bangladesh as a country. Mm. Um, that's more than just, you know, um, a country that gets, you know, flooded, that has a lot of kind of, um, you know, natural disasters, a lot of kind yeah. of um, So problems. it's about representation for you when it comes to food and the sense of community and belonging and just celebrating cultures and I really liked the point you made about you know food is a gateway to you know accessing and understanding uh, other cultures I think that's a really beautiful thing to say because it, it's so true. You know I'm sure you've seen lots of things where you know um, in terms of ownership and um or authenticity and I yeah. think that's something that you know it, it is natural you know I guess but because people do feel strongly you know they associate strongly with certain um tradition traditions and recipes but I think yeah. at the end of the day it's um it's ever evolving and you do have authentic and I would say you know everyone has their own authentic um you know it could be authentic to me to the region I'm from my family but it may not mm. be to somebody else but, yeah, and you made you the know, distinction between you know Bengali cuisine more broadly and Bangladeshi food, and yeah. the the significance of making that distinction as as a way of preserving you know the Bangladeshi identity. Um, mm-hmm. But it is true, you know, Bangladeshi food is often referred to as Bengali food, but yeah. I think there's a lot of historical connotations there because the state of Bengal or you know Bengali people have mm-hmm. existed long before the birth of, of Bangladesh and the partition. Absolutely. And then the independence from India and, and then Pakistan sort of divided Bengal along with its cuisine and flavours, which evolved to become quite distinct from other cuisines within mm. the South Asian subcontinent. Exactly. Um, and the biodiversity of Bangladesh as a, as a low-lying country comprising many rivers mm. often determines its, its diet and it's often known as the, the land of rice and fish and, and rich Absolutely. with you know, paddy fields and rivers filled with mm. a variety of fish. Um, and yeah, I, I think it would be quite... Uh, interesting to get your thoughts on whether in Bengali culture why do we think food is so critical to familial spaces and and what what does it symbolize I think you've already touched upon this um, Mm -hmm. just now Um, I mean for me I I feel a great sense of belonging when I'm surrounded by you know fellow Bengalis Bangladeshis eating the most traditional of Bangladeshi home-cooked foods I know uh, and and I know they've been made with a labor of love particularly with you know family occasions um, but yeah, it would be great to get an insight from you on what it symbolises to you. Um, well, you know, I, I think for me, you know, like I say, it is what to do with, you know, belonging um, and connecting more, you know, also belonging as well as connecting because, you know, family, as, as we know, it isn't just blood, you know, family is, um, you know, it can be somebody you, you're not, you know, born into a family with and, you know, it can be friends that you make later on in life. And for me, food, um, especially Bangladeshi food, symbolises kind of friendship, um, connecting to people, as well as belonging to you know um, the heritage that I was born into. So, it's um, for me, it's it's a way to kind of keep the conversation going in terms of you know when I now I mean I've got a couple of good, really good friends I've made over the last maybe in a few years um, later on in life. So I thought you know um, and we've funnily enough we connected over food you know you know with same supper club or you know we met at one of my events that I did and it's just been um, a great kind of conversation starter and because of that I find that for me it's um, a way to kind of I, I guess um, talk more about Bangladesh and learn about Bangladesh which you know as somebody who grows up who's grown up in the west um, and like a lot of uh, my peers 
um, when we're, you know, everyone goes through kind of, you know, a little bit of an identity crisis or a struggle in their teens or adolescent, you know, um, times. And it's, you know, you're growing up in the West, but you've got very strong kind of cultural connections. Your family is very Bangladeshi, um, but then you want to also be very British. And sometimes we have a tendency to kind of um, put our kind of, um, I guess, um, country of origin or you know, our parents' heritage um on the back burner when we're growing up because it's you know it's not the cool thing to do or you maybe know, want to kind of embrace your western heritage more um but then i think when you return back to it which inevitably most of us do because you know um it, it, it's you know in our dna and majority of people will do at some point and um then it's great to kind of almost relearn and kind of explore um, it, um through kind of a fresh kind of with a fresh perspective what yeah. it means to be Bangladeshi and what Bangladeshi food is and yes I mean I've you know and I think that's um such been such a joy I mean I'd say I mean since I've been kind of writing about Bangladeshi food for the last you know several years maybe 10 years almost 10 years um it's been always you know a journey of discovery you know even now I'm still learning yeah um, sounds and, yeah sounds you know, absolutely so, incredible um, to be in your field I think yeah and it's something that yeah. you're passionate about very deeply absolutely so. I mean, yeah, and, and the thing with food and dining in general is that, you know, it's a very visceral, visceral experience, you know, flavours, spices or certain dishes can even be nostalgic if we associate them with a particular mm. memory or event. And Absolutely. it can also sort of symbolise traditions and rekindle a sense of identity, as you said, and most importantly, mm. in our culture, it brings people together, um, you know, whether that's funerals, weddings, mm. Eid, festivities. Absolutely food can spark conversations as you said it can bring joy but not just you know necessarily because of the taste but the experience of it as a whole um and in our culture you know we tend to express our love and emotions through food and Mm. that's why you know Bangladeshi hospitality is second to none if anyone has been to a Bangladeshi household they probably haven't been allowed to leave the house until they're they're (laughs) completely stuffed (laughs) you know um I want to remember um which I always remember kind of um with the humour, having kind of almost been forced to have three lunches in one day. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, you know, I literally can't eat anymore. And it was, um, I mean, I had a lot of family in Birmingham, so um, not that many kind of, you know, relations in London. But um, yeah. so when we do go over, it's usually not for very long, for a few days. But there's about, you know, just in the immediate family, you know, like uncles and aunts, there's about six households. So you've got to go to every single one, whether it's having a full meal, which they try and force on you, or um, having a snack, and, you know, which are sometimes as you can imagine you probably know that they're yeah. meals in themselves so basically um, yeah <laughs> exactly so and then not to mention the extended family you know from you know just your immediate uncles and aunts you've got cousins and you know second cousins also yeah. people you know family friends and so um I think it's um you know like you're saying it's not just the food but it's what the food kind of um signifies and symbolizes and it's the you know get togethers it's also a very you know like I said, it's visceral and it's also very it's a very tactile food culture you know we eat with our hands and yes. you know um even when when we eat rice um it's traditional way is to eat with our hands and I find sometimes you know that's just the only way to kind of eat rice you know occasionally yeah. if I have to use often when it's outside that I do um you know eat with a fork um but if it's at home it's almost always with my hands and yeah. it's um that's such a the joy of just kind of you know have being tactile with your food and I think that's yeah just mixing the, all the flavors together it, with your hands mixing the flavors different. together and yeah. you just don't get the same kind of um taste if you eat with a fork or a spoon or you know, mm, whatever yeah. else you potentially use um and that's not just for rice and you know um having the rice dish but also snacks you know everything's pretty much with our hands you know unless it's mm. something that needs a spoon you know if you have a um a shingara for instance or um i don't know something sweet you know mishti then you usually have it with your hand unless it's something that's therapy that needs a spoon um yeah so yeah. It, it's always kind of uh sharing kind of food and sharing culture and i think you know most of the food is shared you know family style um so you will kind of you know pass plates around and i think that's you know a great you know you can just sit in a room rather than having your own kind of portion of food you know because it kind of um forces you to engage in conversation with people you don't even know when you're mm. just sharing food around you know offering to make endless cups of tea which you know is kind of non-stop in a bandage house and um you know or you're receiving tea um if you're yeah. the guest and it's um i think it, um the food of bangladesh 
um, even, I, I mean, I'm most familiar with, I guess, you know, um, Silet, you know, where I'm from, Dhaka, you know, we have some family, um, some people I know from Chittagong, so a couple of the regions in Bangladesh, but I mean, I know one person in from Kolna, but um, there's still like, you know, there's eight divisions of Bangladesh and the other four divisions, I don't know anybody from those areas. Yeah, and they all come with different flavours and different Exactly, dishes. different yeah. flavours and uniqueness. And, you know, funnily enough, um, I knew very little about Chittagong food, um, and it's only when I was researching my book that I came across um, um, a guy who contributed actually a couple of um, recipes to my book from um, the sweet shop, um, Alauddin sweet shop. And so the owner oh, was from Chittagong. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, wow. um, and, um, and he was telling me when I was researching, you know, for a future project, so fingers crossed, you know, if I do something else in the future, about um, regional foods. And I asked him what were the key flavours in his cuisine. And I'd heard of, you know, some of them, um, like you have um, um, Mezbani Mangshul, um, I don't know if you've heard of that. So it's like a very rich beef dish um, mm, that yes. serves to guests. Um, so my dad often talks about that um, when he used to have it in Bangladesh. And so he was talking about that and Kalabuna, another dish that I'm yet to make. Um, so a lot of kind of traditional dishes that I hadn't heard of that come from Chittagong and which are very different, not in terms of you know what's used, but in terms of... Um, spices this spice blends they're more I mean fillet in fillet you know we have very hot and spicy foods like yeah very spicy the nagamorius yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so you know so um it's in the nagas you know always hit on the table usually um with some season and so chitagong has you know a unique blend of spices they use a lot of spices you know in some of the foods um also because of you know like you were talking about regional diversity in food in Bangladesh because of the you know low-lying lands and you know the abundance of fish um and rice which is staple you know fish and rice make a Bengali you know as the saying goes and and that's very much true and you um because um further down south in Bangladesh it's um kind of bordering you know Myanmar Burma and um you have those southeast Asian flavors coming in as well so um, the coconut, dried fish, um, these particular spices. Um, and these are something that if you just called Bangladesh food Bengali food, you wouldn't really know about or um, look into. And I think that kind of regional variety based on geography is very, very important in terms of... Yeah, Bengali. absolutely. I mean, I would be great to, to know what your favourite thing about Bengali culture and cuisine is and, and what is your least favourite. Um, in terms of food or yeah just, I think the yeah food culture yeah, um I guess um food I mean I I love you know Bangladesh Dawats I guess you know so which is one of my favorite things um yeah and um it, it's um obviously you can have a Dawat with you know um people you don't know but I think the nicest ones are when it's your own kind of um, family that you haven't seen in a while and when you get together with cousins you haven't seen in a while usually at a wedding or around a wedding you know um you see them and I think that's my favorite thing just getting together you know usually uh with yeah. the women of the family which is where the, all the food is you know help put things together yes. um you know put things and it's also about presentation as well isn't it absolutely and <laughs> just um how to you know uh present things nicely how to make you know unique snacks and sweets and you know my mum's a huge kind of um you may have seen on my twitter you know my pinned post is my mum's nokshifita which is um oh yes you know, I've uh, seen that it's amazing yeah and, and um so it's um and she loves you know kind of making intricate you know, desserts and you know just generally embroidering all the traditional kind of you know like kansa nokshi kansa you know she does all of those things and um which unfortunately as much as I love cooking I haven't you know inherited um her skill with um a needle and thread which is something that I can't do to save my it's life very um, very intricate isn't it very intricate um <laughs> so it's uh yeah so it's I guess the presentation um how you know you get together and you chat you catch up over food um and making your cooking food or snacks isn't just something that you know you're just making it it's you know you kind of um a lot of other things that um I can talk about is um in Bangladesh food is you know, if you have certain traditions like making pizza for instance or making um certain dishes or making shingara or um anything that requires pastry or um you know prep and a lot of the food does um it is sometimes quite labor intensive but some yes, of the, my favorite memories are um being kind of surrounded by my you know mom my aunt you know my grandma and everyone's kind of you know doing a little bit of 
um, a bigger project and I think it's everyone's contributing something and, yeah and that and happens that was, a lot with um, yeah. things like samosa making you know you would do exactly, it in yeah. turns a yeah. bunch of aunties a bunch of cousins and everyone's kind of sitting around with cups of tea chatting and kind of rolling up you know samosas or you know making pastries in yes. the whatever it is yeah I love, love that vibe yeah. yeah exactly so I think that's <laughs> probably my most favorite and which we don't often get to do these days because I no. think it's you know with things changing everyone kind of being busy in their professions the jobs and you know kind of not having the time time has been you know um so I guess since I've started kind of focusing on food um I really cherish I mean having a bit more time I mean obviously it's what I do so it's my work so but which is something that I also love and spending more time cooking having that time for myself having that slightly slower pace of life um not in terms of work but in terms of not having to you know be on the kind of commute to work you know for an hour hour and a half and you know just rushing around and then finding time on the weekends or evening which is what I used to see before but um mm. you know now knowing that you know a lot of my work does revolve around food and I've got that kind of you know time to actually sit down and research things you know cook the things that I've always wanted to cook and spend yeah. more time on perfect recipes um learn from my mother you know um my aunts my grandmother and um mm. just ask them about things that um I haven't you know yeah so the pandemic yeah I mean the pandemic it seems for you has been a great opportunity for you to curate you know what you're good at which is you know cooking making food and you know it's, it's an amazing thing skill set to be able to have um for me certainly I think even before the pandemic I, I really love cooking and making food baking yeah. um not necessarily yeah not necessarily Bengali food because I always uh-huh. feel like I can never live up to the expectation of of my mom and my grandma I always feel like I can't do a good job so I always I try to avoid it oh, but um nowadays I've been I've been taking it up quite a lot you know making different oh, curries. yeah experimenting with with flavors um mm-hmm. which I've really enjoyed and yeah it's just such a nice experience to be able to do it and, it is, it? and again yeah. yeah I've got more time as well on my hands to to be able to mm-hmm. do it now um oh, and really. it would be I think one thing that would be good to cover is the perception of South Asian food in the UK uh, yeah. I mean, most of what we class as quote unquote Indian food is yeah. curated by Bangladeshi restaurant owners and chefs um, and, and the recognition and appreciation for homemade style Bangladeshi food and the desire to seek out you know, unique flavors is quite a recent phenomenon, which has mm-hmm. empowered the Bangladeshi diaspora to spotlight yeah. their cuisine rather than sort of homogenizing and grouping it under the stereotypical Indian or curry. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And perhaps this is an aspect um, or, you know, a hangover from the colonial period where the tendency was to really group South Asian cultures together into a homogenous entity. Uh, and, mm. I, and I honestly think this, that does a disservice to the uniqueness of the thousands of languages and cultures and of dishes course. present mm. across the diaspora. Um, and I wanted to ask you, I mean, do you think it's important to make the distinction between Bangladeshi and Indian cuisine so that we can reclaim our identity and, and be recognized for our cuisine and flavor? Yes, absolutely. You know, you're mm. spot on when it's saying, you know, reclaiming our cuisine. And I feel, you know, reclaiming the food kind of um, aspect of it is not just about the food. It's everything that surrounds and connects with the food so it's actually essentially our identity our unique Bangladeshi identity and heritage um so you know it's very very important I think you know in fact you know to you know essential to reclaim that and not not just to you know um and I guess to make that distinction and I think it's very important I mean even I mean a lot of the times I mean I'll talk about food and I think uh, I'll say this is you know uniquely Bangladeshi or even within Bangladeshi food I'll specify if I can you know which region it's from or how something is made um and I I I think until it's kind of spoken about nobody will know you know you can um like I always say I mean it's um you know, one of the things I did find, you know, now it's great to see so many people kind of doing, you know, um, wonderful things with Bangladeshi, you know, um, home cooking or Bangladeshi food that comes from, you know, Bangladesh itself, not kind of a mishmash or, you know, um, of what is supposed to be Bangladeshi or Bengali food. And so um, I remember several years ago when I was, you know, um, just starting out, you know, seriously writing about Bangladeshi food and just, you know, writing about food. I think it was such um, a challenge trying to find resources. Even now, I don't think there's, 
many, very many things that you can get told of. Um, and there are, I'm sure, a lot of things in Bangladesh, but there's just many Bangla, and you know, my Bangla is not very good. And um, I mean, I'm trying to brush no, up. No, mine neither. Don't worry. <laughs> So um, it's um, but and I think that's great you know to have that in Bangladesh. But I think what um, you know, for instance, Indian um, cuisine. You know, you have the Indian um, cuisine. We're most familiar with you know the languages that we're most familiar with in Indian cuisine, you know, which is you know Hindi, Punjabi, Gujarati, maybe you know um, Marathi. But India or South Asia has hundreds you know of languages and probably thousands of dialects you know and so many kind of um languages that we don't even know about even within bangladesh so um there's you know cultures there's and subcultures there's lots of things um that you know even people who are from the country don't know about and i think it's worth you know definitely worth investigating and learning more about and um it's important to kind of make that distinction i think in terms of claiming um reclaiming the food and kind of just moving away from that whole you know um umbrella of indian food you know in inverted commas because it isn't indian food anymore i mean as a whole even when india was you know um before partition india was a whole, whole country without you know pakistan bangladesh it still had so much variety and so much range and it's obviously due to colonialism there's so much of it has become you know has and still is you know homogenized and there's no distinctions mm. being made and it's almost seen as I guess sometimes you know whether it's how it's represented or when you speak to people I mean I get that sometimes I speak to people certain people and I think you know, usually non-Asian you know um, um <laughs> yeah you know so um who it's like you know Indian I mean are people that I think there's always when a country you know especially when it's colonized and we're living in the country that we were colonized by you know so which is a bit more of a I, I think um maybe that's I find maybe that's a bit more tricky in terms of trying to put across our kind of um the Bangladeshi kind of heritage and background in terms of I guess with people Bangladeshi who are in America for instance you know um it might be I don't know I mean how much easier it is over there but living in the UK and growing up with a very distinct British identity as well as knowing that you're from Bangladesh which is mm. India but colonized by the UK you know Britain it's I think that can be quite um a bit of a hindrance in terms of kind of um distinguishing uh, what is what and because I think a lot of the time you know, the West have um I think obviously it's changing a lot now and slowly you know it'll kind of be a bit more dismantled but this whole kind of rose tinted glass you know Indian era of you know the Indian the, the kind of exotic land and you know the exotic food and the spices and sometimes people talk about it without kind of um realizing hold on it's it's a vast country that even before division, it was very varied um, in terms of cuisine and culture and heritage. But now, they are three distinct countries. You know, um, mm, very so, yes. You know, yeah. it needs it's. Um, I think it's laziness when you don't you're not willing to learn more about the country. And mm. I've had a lot of challenges when I was pitching work in terms of you know Bangladeshi recipes, a Bangladeshi cookbook, or whatever. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I mean, it's a really important yeah. point that you raised. You know, feeling like essentially that we've been sort of camouflage and hint hidden under the broader exactly. you know mm. Indian subcontinent context mm. uh, and that can be quite isolating if you feel like your identity you know whether it be through quiz cuisine or mainstream culture isn't really represented or even if it is it's sort of under the guise of, of a broader culture that's quite diluted and and oftentimes far removed from your own culture your distinct identity exactly Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I, you know, that I do find, you know, is quite frustrating is, and I, I do try to mention it when I can, and I think hopefully you know, more, you know, I think it does need to be spoken about when we have, you know, there's this perception um, that, hold on, you know, this is too complicated, this is too hot. I mean, I've been, you know, told by, you know, certain publishers, oh, you know, um, we already signed up some Indian cookbooks, so we're not looking for, an, uh, an, um, you know, that we're not this book would not be suitable and I'm just thinking this is not even an Indian cookbook, no it's you know? not it's so, completely different yeah. um, exactly and um or you know or somebody once a publisher once said um Britain isn't used to spices or hot food and I thought that was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard um yeah and, I mean our, know, our, is, considering you know, our traditional dish is a chicken exactly. now so <laughs> absolutely and um and also you know just um when you look at the representation or just the kind of um 
interest in other cuisines and I think over the years you know maybe mm. the last decade two decades you, know, you have you know people have taken a huge interest in the different kind of regional cuisines of you know um you know India um, for instance you know now there is a bit more interest and um distinction and I think that's partly to do with the fact that there are um Indian restaurants which are specializing in more of the home-cooked authentic or regional kind of flavors and and that's kind of helped because people often you know the easiest way to go and experience a culture you know if you want that kind of food you go to a restaurant or yeah you go to an eatery but yeah. if you don't have that on hand and you know I do find that quite sad when people kind of ask you know uh, you're a Bangladesh food writer where can we go and eat and there yeah, are certainly a demand yeah you know, for more authentic stuff yeah and um also you know the fact that you know people can generally distinguish i mean if it's i i, I always find if it's easy to um write articles um and talk extensively about different types of pasta and distinguish them and get very worked up about pastries and pasta and cheese and you know the different types then it's sheer laziness when you're not interested in distinguishing Indian food from Bangladeshi food you know completely people, yeah you know yeah. um can say oh no I, I'm um or saying that it's too labor intensive and a lot of it is but you know I'm I myself bake a lot you know I make sourdough bread and you know it's a long process you know I made I've made you know pasta things from scratch that are western you know yes um, traditionally in western, which, you yeah. know western yeah. or I've made I've made them to make you know I often make dumplings which are you know um from the, the from China and um yes. other places and and that's a long process but I think if you're interested you will want to put that time in and mm. time and learn um so mm. it, it is it is a mixture of laziness and arrogance to say hold on your food is too complicated or it's too long-winded there's so many it takes a whole day but mm. then in the same breath you can make a pastry you can you know spend all day or two days making sourdough bread you can feed the start every day and you can make you know all sorts of other complicated you know western style dishes or um haute cuisine you know um french cuisine is um, completely yeah you know, and yeah. you know the epitome of fine dining fine cuisine but <laughs> yeah you know, um yeah and i think um but i um, i said this to some a friend of mine or somebody before um interviewed me about pita and i said hold on if you have people who are masters um or mistresses masters i don't know what the other word is you know for um women usually it is women often um masters of pasta or dumplings or noodles you can have the same thing can apply to cuisine from India or Bangladesh or Pakistan who are extremely skilled in making a certain type of pastry or pitta or something that's from their region and that's from their country um, that takes equal amount of you know time if not more years weeks you know to perfect and it's all done by um, sense rather than kind of you know um, a, a, a kind of tactile kind of you know, using your senses using an estimation yeah. um, yeah. and as they say mm. and um so yeah. you spend like the way my mother for instance you know who makes um pitas you know sometimes she doesn't measure never measured anything <laughs> she's she's eyeballs anything yeah exactly yeah um, but she knows without fail if something it's adjusting um what to put in how much to put in and yeah and, and about that actually i was gonna ask yeah. you I mean, you've written about how to cook like a bangladeshi at home and how recipes mm. are passed down from one generation to the next usually mm. as you as you said you're not by writing them down to the tea but by demonstrating yeah. and i mean why why do you think this observa this you know ob observation estimation element of it why is it so important and why does it take precedence over the sort of meticulous measurements and strict recipes we see when it comes to western recipes by contrast well i think you know one of the main reasons especially in um you know my personal point of view if you're especially you know growing up in a South Asian families tend to be kind of, well, even now, they're quite, you know, large or they're, a lot of people have come from rural areas where there's been a whole sense of kind of, and still is, you know, community and villages get together and sometimes cook and there's a lot of interaction between groups of people, extended family. Um, so cooking isn't done in small amounts, it's usually done in larger batches, you know, whether you're in rural or urban um, areas. And it's also, you know, obviously, you know, going back however long you can go back to, we didn't have scales, we didn't have anything to measure. And in our kind of um, foods, ingredients are, you know, obviously, if you, I, mean, I haven't been to Bangladesh in a while, but, um, you, you know, you buy something off 
kind of um, the market, you know, you will have people measuring out if they have weighing scales there, I'll have a kilo of this or whatever. Um, so you know how much roughly you're getting, you know, I'll get a, a kilo of, uh, of rice or vegetables or whatever. But when it comes to cooking it, a lot of it is to do with, um, I find being kind of homegrown produce that you're growing, you're not, you don't have the, you know, you don't need to measure it for any purpose. And a lot of the food is to do with kind of using your hands and putting the flavors together. And, you know, it's not about having an exact recipe. It's about kind of going with the flow and um, just kind of, um, I, I guess sometimes, you know, even, I mean, generally, but one of the things, you know, talking about writing recipes down, I found a struggle and I still do is actually writing recipes down because I've not grown up writing, you know, cooking using recipes. And yeah, my no, mother, yeah. you know, taught me, my, you know, even my dad, you know, taught me actually, you know, some things that I've learned growing up. Yeah, I'm just thinking about my grandma, mm. you know, all the mm. amazing curries that she used to cook mm. when we were kids. Like now she's she's passed away, so I can't, I can't I've got no written record of yeah. how she used to make the food and it makes me quite sad. Like, that yeah, you know what, um, when it comes to me kind of writing about traditional language food and regional and family recipes, because it's about preserving the cultural heritage, preserving yeah. those memories and those tastes and flavors that we grew up with. And and when it does, you know, even if I never publish another cookbook again or whatever, and I just think I still, you know, write down things that I love. I still kind of write down. I mean, I've got a habit of now writing down recipes that, you know, I haven't had in a while, you know, that I've passed down, that my mum cooks, that one day, I mean, it, it sounds really sad. I just don't want to be in that position. I mean, my grandmother, unfortunately, she has um, Alzheimer's at the moment, so she's had, um, she's not been well for the last, you know, several years. And I remember when she was diagnosed, I thought, you know, I mean, you know, incrementally her memory has weakened and so I can't go to her now and it makes me incredibly sad to go to, go to her and say, you know, um, how can I, you know, nanny, my nanny, and how can I, how did you make this? And she often can't remember. And and I just think I wish I'd, you know, yeah. spent more time before um, yeah. to ask her and I hadn't because obviously, you know, I had the pleasure of um, her cooking for us, you know, when we went to visit. Um, and then I obviously I wasn't in, in food writing then. And um, but now, I mean, I make a point of even if it's just my own personal records, I've got to like file at home some family recipes, which is yeah, you know, that's amazing. That I, yeah, share I mean, with my siblings, you know. Yeah, that's um, so, that's so nice that you have that. I mean, I my only memory recollection is just of like the the visceral elements, so like what mm. I remember seeing, what I remember tasting. So, like for example, my nanny used to make um, something called kolabora, which is basically mm. like oh yes. Pieces. I, Oh, deep I love fried this, yeah, yeah mm. and I mean I'm sure if I google it I'll be able to find a recipe for it but mm. I don't think it'll ever be able to emulate like how her version tasted yeah um and like her her chicken curry was so distinct from other members in the family making the same dish like it had a very distinct flavor and a lot of you know my aunties my mom would try and you know try and copy it but they wouldn't be able to because it was just yeah. very distinct to, to how she made it yeah. And yeah, I mean, but I think it's amazing that you've got the, you know, you've started writing it down because then you can pass it on exactly. to generations. Yeah. And that leads me on to, um, I suppose, the final question, really. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to know, like, what is your favorite? It might be quite a difficult one for you, actually, because you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're a renowned chef and you're very familiar with so many different types of foods and dishes that you've made. But what's your favorite Bangladeshi food or dish um it'll be good to know like what mm. your favorite savory or like main dish is and mm. then also a dessert or um or snacks as well um you know I guess in terms of snacks I would easily say um you know shingara is my one of my favorites I love mm. the and you know even though I love you know pastries and um, samosas made with you know um shortbread pastry um um, that are more like vanilla you know, pastry types um, or spring roll type pastry. Um, I I think nothing beats kind of. I I've always been. I mean, I was thinking. I mean, everyone then called a bit of a grandma. I've always had an old-fashioned approach to cooking, and I feel like you know that's my favorite way to cook. And I try and use very you know I rarely use any kind of um, machinery if I can. Even when I bake a cake, unless I'm kind of whipping cream or whatever it is, um, I'll do it by hand. You know. Wow, that's amazing. Way. Well, you must be very um, skilled then if you don't need that much equipment. And I, I, you know, I just think it's just I just love the you know tactile element of cooking. You know, 
kind of yeah. going by feel rather than and then kind of obviously baking you have to be precise so you have to measure ingredients yeah. but in terms of putting it together I love the tactile element you know of making pastry by hand making yeah. the dough by hand batter by hand yeah there's a very um, very so nice sensory element to it isn't it exactly spices and yeah and it's just you know and I find that for me you know cooking is also kind of uh, you know therapeutic you know and I think it's relaxing yes and definitely. a lot of people don't say that you know my cousin no I, I completely you know, agree yeah it is very um, therapeutic um, because you're, you know, think about it, you're going through the process, you know, you're not just kind of putting together to like eat your recreating, especially when you cook traditional food, you're recreating or creating, it could be you know, making something new up, but um, it's always based on what you already know, you know, like a lot of the times when people say you don't have, nobody ever has an extremely original idea, I think you don't ever have very rarely have an extremely original recipe it's always based on something um or a melange of different recipes exactly or a mixture of things um influences all sorts of things um so it's creating your own kind of version or unique you know something unique um from what you already know and what you've already learned um so for me it's you know making having kind of nasty items like shinga you know pastries like you know um uh pita or um those that would be my kind of main favorite starters I guess um and for um mains I mean it's easily um chicken roast not roast chicken but Bangladesh chicken roast that my my mum especially which is um you know I'm sure you've had it um it's kind of pan fried chicken that's cooked in a rich kind of gravy onion based gravy and she's usually served you know during dawahs or weddings and things mm, um yes delicious and so that mm. within a pulao or you know korma you know this traditional korma thing, yeah uh, yeah mm. and um also you know um I love you know um, I don't often eat fish, but I mean, I do love fish, but not the very finicky small ones. But I do like elish because yeah. elish, even though that does have a lot of bones, I say I don't, but that's very bony. But um, so things like, you know, um, rui or roe um, fish, I like that's my favourite, it's quite flaky, um, and, but still has flavour. Mm. Um, texture is a bit more like cod, but I think it's much more, you know, flavoursome than cod. Um, and yes. then you have, you know, um, so those would be my kind of, mains um that I love um and for desserts you know desserts to be honest I think probably 99.9% of desserts I would like so yeah I just every too. single one so everything <laughs> everything yeah. give me every mishti, every every kind of um sweet mm. dish I'll eat it um so I think the only exception being the Bangladeshi pudding I don't know if you've ever had it. it's like an egg custard pudding which is one thing I don't oh is it the like. boy or no not the not oh. doy. Mishti doy I love yeah. but it's um it's a kind of flan so it's oh, made with um, eggs. No. an egg wow. custard, but it's a kind of a modern classic that most Bangladeshi families across all regions will make. And it's like a baked flan, egg custard, you know, kind of like, um, yeah, like a kind of egg custard creme brulee type of thing. Um, but it's very eggy. And I think that's the one thing that I'm not really kind of, you know, if yeah, anyone offers that to me, I would say no. It's, yeah. it's quite a teggy. So mm-hmm. um, other than that, you know, most, um, and obviously about the tea, you know, with the spices that we have, our unique blend of spices when you have dulcha, um, because yeah. even if it's, um, you know, a matter of, I was talking to an Indian friend, um, just, you know, you know, going off on tangents, but she was, and I was talking about the spices that we use, and the spices that we use, it's, you know, compared to Indian Pakistani, it's a very kind of small kind of um, changes, but create such unique flavors and I'm sure you would know this but we use our main kind of triumvirate of spice so they would be you know um uh cinnamon cardamom and bay leaves and yes, a lot yes, of people absolute friends don't use bay leaves yeah. in their sweet dishes so they were like oh you know use this um in shemai for instance or mm. use it in the sweet dish I mean in, it brings um, out a very subtle halwa. yeah it's a very subtle, subtle but distinct flavor uh, distinct and kind of you know floral um, mm. um but also in an earthy flavor it's kind of yeah. almost like a brings a savory element into the sweet which works yeah yeah, yeah like you have that umami taste sometimes mm-hmm. and i think that's you know what's kind of beautiful about it because you can you're using the same spices and using the same things as your kind of um neighboring countries or regions mm. but that's the so way fascinating you put them together, yeah it changes everything or we have pachapuran which is one of our kind of yeah. um not just in bangladesh but also with bingo a favorite kind of spice combination mm. i mean if um, i were to mm. if i were to pick uh, my favorite um bangladeshi dishes um i don't know if you've tried this but i had it recently when i went to bangladesh well i say recently definitely pre pre-pandemic 
Um, and it's called Takai Kachi Biryani. It's like a... Oh, Takai Kachi Biryani. Yeah, it's oh, so yes, I nice. Yes. I absolutely loved it. It's Amazing. like, a for those who don't know, it's like it's like a mix of rice, meat and spices, but they're all cooked yeah. together within one dish. Exactly. So the, the meat is um, pre-marinated and then put together and it's like steamed yeah. and slow cooked over a long time. And the meat is just so succulent, so soft and tender. And I just love it. It's just so nice. Yeah, that's just amazing. And it's, um you know, obviously it's called um, Kachi Biryani because the meat goes in war in the dish yes, as opposed to when raw. you make a biryani. You yeah, cook exactly. and layer it. So, yeah. and I do find that because of that reason, the flavors melt together so much better. Yeah, and just so exactly. unique in it. Um, and you have obviously sometimes you have the egg and the potato and everything else that goes with it. Mm. Um, and a bit of saffron as well. Saffron, and it's got such a unique uh, one pot dish flavor. And I think, mm. you know, I mean, my eyes light up when I've, I've you know, not, obviously I've not been to English in such a long while, but. Um, when I had it in England recently, and I just loved it, and I just yeah, I haven't had it. I haven't had it in England yet, but I'm definitely going to check out check it out and see if there's any any places that offer it. Or otherwise, I might just cook it myself. I think it'll be quite a laborious process, but I'm I'm willing to uh to take the, the chance and and do it. Yes, absolutely. I think try it. <laughs> you know, try it. And I think you know if you've got if you've got about... any recipe tips, you should uh, yeah definitely. No, absolutely. I think my way. You know, if you're um you know cooking anything, like I always say, you know, with um you know um. Bangladeshi food or cooking Bangladeshi food that seem kind of long-winded and laborious um, my own biggest tip would be always prep things in advance yeah you know if you need um, for instance a lot of the times you have to grind your own spice mixture spice blend you do that the day before you know um, and then you make things so much easier for yourself you know um, slice up some onions put it in the container put it you know in the fridge the night before you know just prep some of the veggies just prep it yeah um, exactly absolutely. so that way it doesn't feel like all of a sudden you're inundated with you know yeah 10, yeah that's tarts. a really good tip um, yeah so and then just you know um time it throughout the day so don't just you know you're not don't do it all at once kitchen. and you spend exactly, four hours, five hours in the kitchen yeah. exactly a kitchen so you know mm. maybe marinate the meat put it in the fridge you know um and do whatever you need to do and then when it comes to cooking you've got your other things prepped and just kind of um, time management is key, I would say, in terms of cooking, you know, so-called, well, you know, um, complicated or you know, mm. long, lengthy dishes. Then, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And in terms of like dessert, I really like um, balushai. Oh, I love Balusha. I made that also for yeah. Eid. I don't know if it's on my Twitter. So no, no, I didn't. Well, I'll have to check that out yeah. then. Yeah. So um, it's one of my favorites. It's like a, like a, Bengali donut, I guess, you know. Yeah, it's like a deep fried donut, isn't it? Yeah. Fried donut and it's soaked in syrup. And that's just amazing. One of my favorites. Um, and so easy to eat. I mean, sweets, abundance of sweets, you know. And one of the things Bangladesh is, cuisine is known for, you know, as you know, it's not, it's the rice, the fish, our staples, mm. you know, loads of vegetables. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, it's not um, who are vegetarian or vegans. Um, I think it's, um, that with Bangladesh cuisine is the cuisine for them. If there was yes, there's so many different types so of vegetable much. dishes. Yeah, and there are as lots. opposed to compared to um, Indian food, for instance, or Pakistani food, um, I would say we use very little dairy generally, unless yeah. it's a special occasion dish. If you have Dalwood mm. food, obviously you have the kormas and everything. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. generally speaking, our everyday cooking is usually dairy free and usually gluten free. Mm. And so it's the dream for people who are, you know, gluten intolerant or, you know, don't want Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and so, and the flavours as well. It's not like you exactly. ever feel like you're missing anything. because Absolutely, so you're strong. not missing anything. I could eat vegetarian food, like, for days and not feel like I missed in a fish <laughs> and meat, you know. So no, exactly. You have uh, bortas, you know, which are amazing. We can do with everything, hundreds of varieties. You can make yeah, with and dal as well. Dal, bortas, you know, shark, shobji, yeah. you know. Um, you Lentils, have, um, yeah. Uh, sweets are, I think, just one of the um, main you know I guess things highlights, um, yeah, highlights sure. of Bangladesh yeah. food because there's so much um you know variety um mm. whether it's you know pita or and I think the best thing is just it's seasonal food and using what you have um mm. when you have um so you don't have to kind of you know from pantry essentials you can make an amazing Bangladesh meal yeah you, know? you, don't, you don't have, have to waste to anything either you can be exactly. quite resourceful you yeah everything and like you were saying yeah. about them going back to you know which I don't think I answered very well about the recipes writing down and not doing it by hand um by eye yeah a lot yeah. of the time you're using everything you're using everything up um from you know head to tail like you know for a fish or whatever you're using you know uh, you'll have offals or meats and things and mm. you use everything and you're usually cooking in large numbers and you know so it's feeding um economically as well if you're you know you know in a um 
place or an area where you don't have much or in the family you don't have much, you can make a little go a long way. So, you know, it's about being resourceful and cooking with what you have. And often it's done by eye and it's not kind of measuring things because you need to know what's available. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's yeah. really interesting. And you also mentioned um, just a few minutes ago about some of the essential spices. And that was going to be my final question, actually. But I think you've probably already answered it. I mean, if you could pick three spices for your kitchen only um for your kitchen yeah. cupboard what would they be and why okay so um three things i'm a distinctly bangladesh i mean i i mean we have that anyway i would say pachapuron which is a mixture of five spices but it's a spice blend of um fennel fenugreek cumin nigella seeds and mustard and that's such an amazing it's like a amazing it's like a you know game changer for anything and I yeah. sometimes put a bit into my chicken curry and you know um and that's amazing for everything so that I would have because mm. it goes so many things and whether it's vegetable it can just brighten up anything um you can put make pickles with it put in vegetables fish meat anything um not so much fish but more meat um but then um I would say mustard oil which is essential for making waters and also certain fish and meat dishes like if you make um um you know um Shosha elish, for instance, which is mustard um, kind of paste um, with elish fish. Um, so you have mustard oil for that. Um, it just um, is one of the key ingredients in water. So mustard oil, much more than I would have, definitely. I would have um, not a spice, but um, date molasses, marchagur, which is something that I'd have, which would be still covered essential um, because you make lots of pitas and things with it and you can put it in savory sometimes as well. Date molasses and uh, a grated breakfast dish. One of my favorites is having flattened rice. I don't know if you've had um, chira, which is a flattened oh, rice. Oh, yes, I remember that. Yeah, that's yeah. delicious. So yeah. you can yeah. you kind of like you ha- you'd eat it the same way as overnight oats in a way. And it's such a you know nice way to you can just put it in the fridge um, with your yogurt or milk and put a bit of date molasses and it's amazing coconut, whatever you want. Mm. Um, banana as well. And my grandma used to make it with banana. And um, so that's so a molasses. Um, oil spice blend um no I guess um, those would be my three main three essentials three essentials um, yeah. um I'm sure there are more yes, off of my yes. head those are three essentials that I can't live without yeah I mean they sound like a really you know good blend of different types and different flavors um you know staples for for any kitchen really especially mm. for people who want to cook authentic south asian food as well i think they they, they sound like really oh and ghee i say you can't oh ghee yes ghee yes, yeah. yes yeah. <laughs> um which you know we don't use as often as probably you know people in it's mainly for very rich dishes isn't it? rich dishes but yeah. for korma, you have to have it for a delicious korma or um, a nice dalat kind of dish yeah well that's been well it's been a really um enchanting conversation should I say and I've learned a lot from you and I love you know hearing about your your passion for food your your cooking your recipes I think it's very unique um, because there aren't very many uh, Bangladeshi chefs who are so renowned especially you know a a female um, chef because they aren't really very common um, in the UK are they I mean you know all the chefs um, Bangladeshi or not you know they're they're mainly men which is quite interesting Mm. because traditionally women have been you know homemakers um mm. if you look historically and they've been the ones who who cook food Absolutely. but then in the professional context of, of food cuisine mm. and restaurant restaurants um it seems to be dominated by men but it's, it's nice it, to, to uh, see that you're changing the game yeah thank you i hope so and i think there's so much more to be done and you know um i you know like i always say you know to people i'm you know i try and do my best in terms of you know it, it's a, such a multifaceted kind of conversation or task I guess because you can write about Bangladeshi food but people also want to taste it when people are unfamiliar with something they want to kind of have an easy route to go and you know if they can't make it out of a recipe book they'd like to if they don't want to cook or can't cook they want you know want something an experience outside and I hope it does change that the restaurant trade obviously that's another conversation where you know the gender imbalance you know in the restaurant kitchens as opposed to who's cooking food Bangladeshi food at home is, yeah for sure um, another big thing but you know, um, you know, I, I think it's just been one of those things where so many generations have, because of, um, and I will say, kind of in a lot of the times, I think Bangladeshi food in restaurants because it's called Indian, it's doing such a service. But I can understand mm-hmm. the original, you know, when our grandparents, you know, of our grandparents, uncles came over, um, and they started those businesses. It's 
it was still India then, you know, technically. So, and then they kind of got used to catering for a certain audience who wanted those easy dishes, which were not spicy, which were um, not very authentic, you know, full of cream and kind of easy to eat. And it still has, you know, um, um, there are people who still love the curry house classics, you know, as they're known. Um, and that's fine because it's a sub, sub cuisine in itself. But it would be great to see more, you know, men and women who are Bangladeshi kind of taking on a bit of a challenge of, you know, introducing more. Like, you know, I don't know if you know, um, you know, Korai Kitchen in America, in in, um, in America, um, who are kind of um, mother and daughter team who oh, have wow. um, a restaurant. And I actually, when I, I don't know if you've seen that, I went to America a couple of years ago before the pandemic to do a program at the Museum of Food and Drink and around that time I had a supper club there, Bangladesh supper club which is amazing but oh, it sounds incredible. Really taking yeah. off there and, you yeah. know, and this mother-daughter team they produced authentic Bangladesh home cooking in a small eatery, very homely, very welcoming and I would love to see something you know more places like Karai Kitchen where mm. they're women-led, women-run in the UK or Absolutely. even male-run you know and I think there's definitely a gap for it and if I could do it I would do it um, but I'd love to see other people do it so um, hopefully you know things will change soon. Yeah hopefully you'll be able to do that um, post-pandemic and even you know the restrictions Absolutely. are now lifting so yeah I mean that sounds all of that sounds really impressive and yeah I'm definitely gonna have to check out your um, experience in in America um the supper club sounds really incredible and I have to check both of the the mother and daughter team out as well um but thank yeah, you so much do. yeah it's thank been you so really, much for having me very discussion um so you normally I do ask my guests at the end of um the podcast just to extract a quote from a book that um, you've recently read and then maybe explain how you relate it to any feminist theme or anything else you feel really strongly about I mean if you've got anything like that that would be really great but um, no worries if you, if you don't have that. Um, you know what I, I'm actually reading at the moment something that in the light of what we know well it started a while back but by Zia Haider Rahman who's actually from Silat Bangladesh and, oh, um, and I don't cool. know if you've read that but it's an no, amazing book yeah and you know I picked it up and I didn't and I only picked it up and we picked it up you know modern day technological things because the internet wasn't working and I yeah. was in the middle of doing some work so I thought okay let me just pick up that book again and <laughs> you know um yeah and then I read this um you know I'll read you this couple of sentences that I read and that really kind of resonated and I thought I, I one of those people who don't like to turn the page corners in your book I'm very kind of OCD about that so but this is one thing I thought you know it's just very um it's not exactly feminist but it's just something about life you know yeah um, of course so one yeah who, who, who writes um how am I this is the character Zafar who's um kind of going through a bit of a thing in his life and you'll have to read this amazing book and he says how am I to live to say that an unexamined life is not worth living is in my mind putting things as hard and strongly what I know now however is that that and I'm tested life can lead some people into a kind of moribund discontent that cannot easily be shaken off so um that's kind of um I don't know if that was clear but it's just about not just having you know but kind of having tested being tested through life gives you a kind of a richer experience and I think that's what I took from it that yeah. that it's not often that you know you sometimes have to look go through certain things in life and go through tests and that makes your right life richer in a sense and I think yeah yeah absolutely that's what I've always found you know yeah. whether it's um a negative or positive you always come back mm-hmm. with something and it adds something to your life and I think you know I am mean, for me personally I would find that you know whatever it is anything that happens good or bad it's always an experience and it's all an experience you know, ultimately yeah I completely agree with that and I always say you know people talk about regrets and stuff but I've had you know negative experiences but I'm, I, I would never say that I regret them because I've learned I've ultimately learned from them and it's made me into the person that I am today so I, I yeah I absolutely wholeheartedly resonate with that quote uh, and thank you so much for sharing Dina and it's been um really insightful and yeah I might end up picking up that book actually it sounds yeah, like no, do read it. it's from a Bengali it's, author. Uh, yeah, yeah yeah and it's Bengali author and also um you know if you've read the alchemist and I think it's yes just, I have um, yeah. yeah I love the alchemist and it's kind of like you know um quite similar existential I guess yeah you know, existential kind of yeah yeah and so it does make you think about life and what's happening uh you know our perceptions are surroundings you know our experiences and as someone who's grown up in the east and west or or not even necessarily growing up but who's got both of the east and west both perspectives um, yeah exactly yeah. it um it's a great way to kind of you know just look at it and I think it's just like this book you know it kind of 
almost reflects back at you you know your own yeah. kind of, makes um, you makes experience. you question your own yeah identity in a way um exactly and I think there's you know definitely needs to be that it's great to see books like this you know and I think not just food with everything there needs to be more of a you know more Bangladeshists out there I think you know that's the only yeah. way to put it you know whether it's yeah. book art whatever and I love seeing up and coming you know creatives or non-creatives coming up and doing this stuff of course so, you know yeah. and you know your podcast and I think it's amazing you know just um just being on it you know which is one of the reasons I did want to kind of take up your phone being in a podcast and I thought it's great that you know more Bangladesh women in fact are doing interesting things and I think that's yeah oh thing. thank you so much that's that's really kind of you yeah I mean that's essentially the you know the, the whole reason why I started it is because women like me and the Bangladeshi women were so underrepresented within the mainstream media and I wanted to help you know basically spotlight the the experiences of of a diverse range of women who otherwise may not necessarily have had the opportunity to to share their story and that's why I started it and so it's it's really reassuring and and really nice to hear that you know um the the work that I do is is meaningful especially coming from someone like you as well so thank you very much Thina I really appreciate that and yeah thank you for for being a guest on the podcast and for for giving up your time today i hope you've enjoyed it as much as i have it's been such a pleasure thank you so much tanya i hope you enjoyed that episode if you know someone who you think might like this podcast then please let them know about it if you enjoyed this episode please do leave us a review on apple podcasts Make sure you hit the subscribe button and you'll be notified as soon as a new episode goes live. Earlier this year, I created a Patreon. I produce and host this podcast entirely on a voluntary basis, all on my own. If you enjoy listening and have benefited from this podcast, then please consider supporting it so that it can continue to provide you with engaging and meaningful content. I'd also like to take this opportunity to give a shout out to four of my lovely Patreon donors, Abigail, Rihanna and Alicia, as well as my fiancé Nathan. Thank you so much to all of you. If you'd also like to donate, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash browndon'tfrownpod. If you have any thoughts or comments or would like to get in touch and contribute to the podcast, please drop us a line at browndotfrownpod at gmail.com Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, bye.